I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino. He's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. In the heat of controversy, he don't miss. No. Welcome into episode eight of the Double Dribble podcast with Cody and Caleb. We're super honored to have you here. It is an amazing week, and not just because we have lots of great topics to talk with for everybody, but because we are going through a social media expansion. So we are going to be active on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. So everybody look out and follow at Double Dribble Pod for all of our content, and take it away, Caleb. Yeah, uh, please give us a follow. If you like the podcast, make sure you spread it out to people. The more people to listen, the more that we can do this. And we love talking sports, so feel free. Leave us questions. We'll give you answers. So just let us know. And, we, and we'll love to have you guys uh, around. So We've seen awesome exponential growth over the last several days. And if you have anything to provide, any questions, anything you'd like to us to touch on on the podcast feel free to dm or im us on any social media platforms we'd be happy to go through it we're going to start off today with breaking down what happened this weekend in our nfl divisional round matchups we're going to start with the first game of the weekend which was the texans and the ravens caleb what were your initial thoughts the final score was 34 10 ravens well, going into the game, I had picked the Ravens. I thought the Ravens were the better team. I think that was proven on the field. And I expected Mark Andrews to play. I did not know that he was out for the game. I thought that he was going to come in and make a difference. But they completely manhandled the Texans without him. And granted, the Texans are so young. Nobody really expected them to be there. I mean, maybe a couple people from preseason predictions. But I was pretty – confident in the Jaguars winning that division. So the Texans with a first-year head coach, D'Amico Ryans, they've got a cornerstone quarterback who is bound to be top five in C.J. Stroud, and they've got a great defensive set-piece guy, Will Anderson. You've got young corners. I mean, they, they made it farther than I could have anticipated. They obviously are set up well for the future, so I don't take any shame in how this game played out. Well, and it wasn't say, it wasn't yeah. a dominant win for the Ravens in the sense that it was ten to ten at halftime. Houston was mm-hmm. holding their own. Their defense just kind of gave way. They're not an elite defense, and the Ravens' defense showed that they are legit. Their linebackers yeah. were flying all over the field. Corners were locking things down. There were no openings, no windows for C.J. Stroud to make any magic happen. So it was mm-hmm. a very crushing second half for that Ravens team. Lamar Jackson went crazy, hundred yards on the ground. Only or it's already his third time, first quarterback to have three hundred yard rushing games in the playoffs. Had two rushing touchdowns, four total touchdowns. The dude's a baller. Uh, he deserves this MVP oh, this year. He's incredible. Oh, yeah. He's he's my QB, too, which uh, I, I got a lot of pushback on on my uh, main Twitter account. A lot of people think it's Allen, but Lamar, I mean, the way he's able to just manipulate defenses with his legs, he's got a crazy arm just like Allen. I mean, and I, I, I anticipate them, you know, going far this year. And, man, they, they are they are they are built for the they are built for this stage. Harbaugh's already got one. I, I mean, this team, I, I don't know who can compete with their combination of defense 
and an offense that finally gave Lamar weapons this year, and, it, and it's showing. So the defense is incredible. They only they allowed like 206 all-purpose yards to this Houston team, which has been absolutely dominant offensively all year. That's been their calling card for them to come out and really stun this Houston's team. I know they're young, but this was as good of an offense as they'll face. I, Kansas City's offense, in my opinion isn't on the same level as this Houston offense overall, mm-hmm. even though I will touch on Pacheco later. We still have that game. Yeah, we come. will. Uh, but Justin Tucker has continued his excellence, not only in the regular, regular season, but the playoffs. Two field goals, four extra points this week. Very consistent. How important has it been to have such a consistent kicker in Baltimore? Well, I, it's a you saw this weekend – with the Packers and especially the Bills late, how important the kicking game is. Uh, I've seen the Skip Baylesses of the world get mad at the fact that kickers can outcome, like determine the outcome of a game. But, man, the difference it makes to have a guy that you know week in, week out, doesn't matter if it's a 30-yard field goal, 60-yard field goal, if it's windy, if it's snowy, he's just going to go out there, do his job, knock it down. I mean – He's the greatest kicker ever. I, I, I genuinely believe that. And he's just, I mean, it adds a whole other element to the game when it doesn't matter where you are past the, like, in your like the 40-yard line. He can, just, <laughs> he can just knock it down. I mean, he, it's so impressive. I, he is the only kicker I trust completely. I, and I don't want to give it the announcer jinx because th- that would be horrible if yeah. something happened this weekend. But he's the only kicker in the NFL who I 100% trust every time he goes out to kick a field goal. Yeah. The, the man is absolutely incredible. Uh, any other thoughts from this Texans-Ravens game? Uh, Texans fans, just hold your, hold your head high. The division is going to be tough. The Colts, they look like they're going to be good for years to come. The Jaguars, I know that they collapsed at the end, but, man, the, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is still Trevor Lawrence, and they still got some good uh, pieces around. But, I honestly, the Texans, I think, have the brightest future. They need to, they need to fill up some holes on defense and offense, like the little glue pieces. But, I mean, you got, the, you got the coach, you got the QB, you got the edge rusher. And, I mean, those are the three most important things, I think, when it comes to competing. So, I mean, of hold course. your heads high. What a great season, man. Absolutely incredible. I think C.J. Stroud has already poised himself to be the best quarterback in this division, even after his Mm -hmm. rookie season. With guys like Trevor Lawrence and Anthony Richardson coming in, it's not a small feat to be the best QB in the division. It's not like we're talking about the NFC North here. This this is a division with good quarterback play. And for him to come in and be this good this young is nothing short of amazing. So... Let's move on to the second game. And before we do this, can I just say the divisional round was everything that the wild card round wasn't. Every single one mm-hmm. of these games was competitive with the exception of the second half of that Texans Ravens game. Absolutely incredible. Every game could have swung either way. So this Packers game 21 or 24 to 21 was the final 49ers came out on top. Initial reactions, thoughts. My initial reaction is that I thought the Packers had him dead to rights after that first half. Jordan Love was balling. Matt LaFleur had a great game plan. Brock Purdy was stinking it up. Honestly, he was. He was not doing too hot. And that was kind of what I anticipated. I thought the game was going to be close. I thought that the Packers were going to come out and show why they belonged to be in the divisional and why the Cowboys game was not a fluke. 
And I thought that Jordan Love was going to establish himself as the guy. I didn't think they were going to win going into it, but at halftime, I was sure that Jordan Love was going to pull this one out. And I was like, we got our next Aaron Rodgers. Well, based off that last throw, we may have our next Brett Favre. That (laughs) was a heartbreaking throw. And, yeah, you can get into your thoughts, and I'll I'll dive in deeper later. So, You know, I think this game was unfortunate. The weather really played – a huge part, the rain really impacted these two quarterbacks. Love, even though I said before the game I thought he was going to have, you know, somewhat of a Jordan Love game where he didn't quite get things done, and he he didn't. He threw two picks in big moment, you know, one in a big moment. So I don't I don't feel good about that, but I was right. Uh, but the, Brock the second Purdy, half was really rough. Yeah, the Brock Purdy missed on a number of throws that should have been interceptions. The rain really affected these two quarterbacks and their ability to control the football. Uh, I just thought it was absolutely incredible. Nine different Green Bay players caught passes. Nine different receivers. So the ability to get every single receiver involved, I think it's absolutely incredible that they don't have one standalone number one option receiver. It really leaves things open for them to move and keep the whole team in a position where they could strike and anyone could kill you any game. It kind of reminds me of the Patriots after Randy Moss left, and you had a bunch of guys like Wes Welker and Danny Amendola and a bunch of mid-tier receivers, but because you had a quarterback who could get everybody the ball, everyone could pop off for 100 yards any game. Uh, CMC almost had my three touchdowns. Almost had mm-hmm. my three touchdowns, but 128 yards for the game. He has been an absolutely incredible, incredible playoff performer. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe he's played in six playoff games. He scored a touchdown in every single one of them. He's been the picture of consistency, and mm-hmm. he looks like he's been able to get healthy and sustain himself and not be as injury prone as he showed earlier in his career. Yeah. Uh, my my main takeaway uh, is the Shanahan coaching tree is taking over the NFC. Like how the AFC is run by the quarterbacks. You got the Mahomes, the Allen. You got all the elite names. The NFC, I mean, you had LaFleur versus Shanahan this week. You had Sean McVay last week in the NFC. And McVay is coming off a championship. You know, LaFleur is not going to go anywhere. Jordan Love looks like he can at least make it to the playoffs every year with the guy. And you know, you know who you can thank for that. Is the master. You know, you you know who you can thank for that. The Denver Broncos and Mike Shanahan. You know, kicking it old school. Uh, Kyle Shanahan comes from a football family. He's been groomed for this Mm -hmm. his whole life, and he's an absolute mastermind when it comes to scheming. Unbelievable, best offensive mind in the league, not close. uh, Well, and putting together a lineup of versatile players, both on offense and defense. The fact that they were able to bring Chase Young into this squad, absolute difference maker. Yeah. I mean, their whole defense is built uh, I thought the dudes. Just dudes. Yeah. Dre Green, uh, I think it's Dre Greenlaw. And uh, I'm blanking on the other linebacker. Fred Warner. They? Fred Warner Fred had Warner? monster games. Yeah. Yep. 15, 15 combined mm-hmm. tackles. They were flying over the – they were flying all, all over the, the place. Every week, every week, man, they are – they are always out there. They're always getting after it, man. I, I love the 49ers defense. It's like it's heaven on earth to watch when, you, when you're seeing how much offense is taking over the game and how much the 49ers just contain it. It's, it's, it's really impressive. 
this is why I've loved watching these one seeds, the Ravens and the Niners all season, is because they really take defense to heart, and that's what you need to win games in the playoffs. Yep. Just like the NBA playoffs, everybody's locked in every snap, every second, and so you have to put your best out there. And those two Jordan Love interceptions were really the difference in the game. Yeah, they were. And, and Brock Purdy, I'll give him credit. I, I haven't given him enough credit, I'd say. I, I've been really down on him. He He showed up when it mattered. He had a rough game, and that last drive, he went down the field. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do as a quarterback. In the clutch moments, you, you show up. Uh, I saw somebody compared him to Joe Montana, slow it down. But, I mean, he did his job. He did well. I mean, that, you can't ask for anything more. I, you're going to hate this take, but I really see so many similarities between Brock Purdy and Tom Brady. Early in their career, being surrounded by incredibly talented teams, and the guys learn how to manage the game and find a way to win. If he can take Brady's ability to take less money and keep his contract low <laughs> yeah. so he can keep intact teams, I think he could have an absolutely dominant run in the Shanahan offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's built for it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to hate. I, comparing anyone to Tom Brady feels like a death sentence, but he – he, he he's doing he's doing well in the role, so I'll give him that. Tom Brady in his first four or five seasons was not Tom Brady that finished his career. Tom Brady was yeah. a straight game manager at the beginning of his career, and that's what I'm seeing from Brock Purdy so far is someone who is going to go out and not make mistakes and who's going to let the ultra talented people around him win football games. So I'm hearing Tua is going to become Tom Brady as well. So this is good news. This is good news. I like to hear this. I like to hear this. Uh, I'm just messing with <laughs> All right, let's go ahead to the Buccaneers-Lions game. This one was a, a heart crusher for me. I really – Baker turned into Baker Mayfield at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Baker Mayfield is a, a two-faced assassin, and he showed <laughs> he showed both he showed both sides this game. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he slung the ball all over the field, and when it mattered most – just like Avatar, he just disappeared. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Thirty-one to twenty-three was that final. Lions took that one home and advance to their to the NFC Championship and are one game away from their first Super Bowl appearance ever. If they can beat the Forty ers they really I'm are. For them, man, they're America's new team. Dallas, move out of the way. Everybody loves Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I mean. I'll give Baker this. He's a gunslinger through and through. I mean, that man, he earned himself a contract this year. I mean, I wasn't sure after the Panthers stint if he'd even be in the league. But, I mean, he's proven this year. I mean, you put some guys around him that can catch the ball, he'll get it to him, you know. And for better or for worse, he'll he'll throw that football, man. And he, he, should, he shouldn't put his head down after that performance. I know it was tough, but the Lions are – the Lions are – they're sneaky. They're sneaky good on defense. I know we were kind of dissing them last week, but I mean, they their defense is nothing to really scoff at, especially when you look at the state of some defenses in the league. I mean, they 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 have built a culture. Dan Dan Campbell is, I mean, what can you say about him as a coach? I mean, he he just knows how to rile up his guys, get them motivated, get them ready. Aiden Hutchinson's an absolute beast. Brian Branch, beast. I mean, I mean, they they showed up, they played, and offensively man they're weapons oh my goodness gracious they are yeah. laporta laporta's the best tight end of the league is my I'll, take. that's my I'll, that's my take from this i'll talk about laporta for a second i 
Mm-hmm. Absolute animal coming out of Iowa. It, it absolutely shocks me how the worst offense in college football yeah. in the Iowa Hawkeyes has managed to produce like four elite tight ends. And they have two more coming to the draft in the next two years that are going to be the only tight ends with better prospect profiles are, is Brock Bowers. Uh, yeah. Oh if you, if you don't know so if crazy. you need if you don't know what to do and you need a tight end, just draft whatever Iowa tight end is available. Yeah. It'll work. I'm telling you, it will work. Kind of like Georgia Tech had their little run with their wide receivers, a team that runs mm-hmm. like the triple option and never throws the ball produced two of the greatest receivers in Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas. I have no idea how that yeah. happens. But <laughs> to talk to talk about your Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, Sean McVay really revitalized Baker Mayfield's career. Those six or mm-hmm. eight games that he had in in L.A. with the Rams last year, absolutely, he gained his confidence back. He got his swagger back. Yeah, he did. He looked like a shell of himself. He looked like a guy trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It just wasn't yeah. working. He, I don't know. I. I will let you give Gibbs his love in a second because the guy had mm-hmm. an absolutely incredible game, and I'll let you give the Bama guy love. But Derek Barnes, to come up with your first career interception, college or pro, in the guts of a divisional round playoff game to steal the soul away from every Buccaneers fan. Absolutely yeah. clutch moment, and I hope that's he keeps awesome, that man. football forever. He, yeah, dude, that's put a it, moment. Put it in the trophy case and put it on the mantle because that's incredible. Yeah, no one's taking that from you, man. That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, let, let's like let me get into my uh, Lions offensive skill position rant real quick. Do it. Oh my goodness, these guys. When you're talking about Saint Brown, who I think as a slot receiver, I mean, considering Cooper Cup's drop off this year and Puka Nakua's uh like rise I, I don't know between Amon Ross St. Brown or Puka which one I'm taking but man dude they are just elite at getting the ball in the in- intermediate range like this little slant I mean he is automatic he's an automatic five catches a game I mean he he's and he can run after the catch I mean uh Jamison Williams got got some looks I mean he just with his speed I don't even think he's the most complete guy but I mean that speed you just can't account for it. You gotta, you gotta adjust to it. You gotta have someone deep that opens up the intermediate range for the Laporta St. Brown to get easy passes. I mean, Laporta, man. Oh my goodness. I didn't he, he got hurt last game of the season. It looked like he was uh, done right with the, was it he, he's seriously banged up. He's out there playing. He was seriously banged up and putting up numbers. I don't know what tranquilizers they're putting him on, but man, he goes out there. I mean, these last two get he's delivered, just delivered. I mean, genuinely, I, I'm I'm shocked by. I mean, you traded him to me in fantasy, which was the best deal I made all year. I mean, that guy is an animal. I mean, he's unreal. And uh, now I can talk about my guy Gibbs. Now Gibbs got picked 12th, I think, in the last draft, like round one, pick 12. It was. And, I, and I'm a huge Gibbs guy. But even I thought, man, that is early, early, early to take an undersized running back. I mean, I knew he was explosive. I knew he was shifting. I saw it with Bryce Young and him. They're coming in. He was the leading receiver 
on that Alabama team that made it uh, that like that last year of Bryce Young. I mean, and Bryce Young knows how to sling it. So you knew Gibbs had that element to his game. I did not know it was going to transfer to the to the NFL, much less the playoffs at this level. I mean, you get that ball to him in open space, he will juke you out of your socks, man. That kid is unbelievable, man. He's an he, I, I, he, I have no word. I mean, he is so good. Austin Eckler 2.0. Uh, Mike Evans came up three yards short of my plus 150 prediction. I'm giving it to you anyway, man. Three Mike yards. Evans I, balled. He balled did. He balled out. out. I did not think he was going to get 100. I, yeah. You we'll were right. On. I was wrong about that. Well, that didn't happen a lot this weekend, but we'll move on to the <laughs> we'll move on to the Chiefs versus Bills, and this was an absolutely devastating game for the Buffalo Bills. My heart goes out to you because you are turning into the Philadelphia 76ers of the NFL, a team that is ultra talented and continues to fall short in the playoffs year after mm. year, whether it's injuries or running into behemoths and better put together teams. I feel the angst and the anguish and the sorrow coming from this fan base and it's tough it's tough but you'll find hope again next year and once again you'll go to the playoffs and you'll probably lose in the divisional round wide right again just because that's the nature of the beast and you'll come to terms with it eventually but when you win it'll be so sweet uh (laughs) with an the glaring elephant in the room here, Tyler Bass missing the 44-yard field goal with a minute and a half left on the clock. Two timeouts left, but Isaiah Pacheco puts this game away with a first down. Heartbreaking. I'll let you talk. I'm, I'm upset. All right. Now, Bills fans, Cody was nice to you. He was, he was taking it easy on you. I was empathetic. Now, me as a Miami Dolphins fan. Who's taken a lot of chirping, a lot of crap. Let me tell you something that you have told me over and over and over again. Bills fans, you are cursed. You're cursed. The best comparison I saw is that you guys are the hardened Rockets to the Steph Golden State Warriors. The Chiefs own you. They own you. They own you. Patrick Mahomes owns your entire franchise. I hope that everybody that shoveled snow is aware of that. I hope that all of you who call to a trash know that. I hope that you know that Allen is not as good as Mahomes. I saw a lot of takes saying that if a couple bounces went his way, if he's on the other side of the 13 seconds, that he's the best quarterback in the league. He is not Mahomes. Let me tell you something, Bills. You don't go to four straight Super Bowls in the 90s, lose all four of them, have zero Super Bowls in your life, and have two heartbreaking wide right misses and not be cursed. Bills, you are a cursed franchise. You are cursed more than the Dolphins, more than the Jets, and certainly more than the Patriots. You are the most cursed team in our division, and even though you beat us, when Diggs leaves this offseason, when him and Trayvon are tweeting it up about cryptic stuff, about how maybe Diggs needs just a better quarterback who will get him the ball, I want you to know that you are the ones hyping this behavior. You are the ones talking trash, and you deserve every bit of this loss. And when it happens again next year, I will be right here, and I don't care how many times you beat us. I will be right here to laugh at you and make fun of you whenever this happens. 
That being said, Josh Allen, you did everything you could. You were a great quarterback. Stephon Diggs let you down on that, like, 80-yard bomb. I could not believe how far that ball traveled in that weather. That was unbelievable. Uh, that Trent Sherfield play where he was tracking the ball poorly, I, I don't remember the exact point in that game where uh, that happened, but, I, I, that, I mean, in that level of the game, you got to catch that ball. Josh Allen running. I mean, it's him and Cam Newton for best rushing power rushing quarterbacks I've ever seen. And I, and I think I'd even lean Josh Allen just for his ability to just go crazy, leaping, doing whatever to get the first down or touchdown. I mean, James Cook is a good running back. But, man, I know you got bailed out. But that fake punt to DeMar Hamlin, does he think this is air, bud? Does he think this is storybook ending? There is no storybook ending for you guys especially against the Chiefs. And, I mean, what were you thinking? You're on the other team's side of the ball, and you're lucky McCole Hardman fumbled that out of the end zone. I mean, you are the luckiest people alive because, I mean, that is one of the most brain-dead Sean McDermott decisions I've ever seen, and I'll give him credit. That defense was banged up, and he had them ready to play. But, I mean, goodness gracious, Bills. I, this, let's, is, this is a heartbreaker. This is a let's stop and t- let's talk about let's stop and talk about the fumble through the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the rule that that is a touchback? You know, a team. I know they had a short field, but teams will drive 70, 80, 90 yards down the field, and to fumble on the one yard line and have it roll through the end zone to lose possession and have your opponent start on the 20. How preposterous is that? I think that is one of the dumbest rules in all of football. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. I I think that maybe it's a little bit harsh, but I do think there is some testament to saying that do not fumble there. Like you, There will be a punishment if you fumble there. Do not do that. It's a mistake on your end. Hold on to the ball. And honestly, they had it coming. You're on the two. Why is Andy Reid getting so cute with this little end-around BS where they're throwing it backwards, trusting me, Cole Hardman, to get the touchdown? I mean, I think what you happen. You got I think what you're seeing there is Andy Reid not playing for this game, but playing for the next two. I think he's trying to add something to the playbook that the Niners or the Ravens or the Lions have to watch out for in the next several games. Something to the film where they have to be ready, one more option they have to be prepared for. And it did the exact opposite. It backfired big time. You know that play's not mm-hmm. in the playbook anymore. That thing got thrown in the shredder. Yeah. And well, at least not to McColl or Kadarius Tony. I, you know, I was listening to Sports Talk Radio all day today, and a caller called in because I'm very close to Kansas City, and he had the audacity to say, if Kadarius Tony was playing in this game and you run this play with <laughs> Kadarius Tony, he's so big and so physical, he's getting a touchdown. Shut up. Kadarius no. Tony is one of the worst wide receivers I have ever seen. The lack of hands, the poor positioning. This man, he just runs. He gets open. He's yeah. got good route running ability, and it ends there. His, it doesn't his mean sanity Super Bowl performance will keep him in the league for a long time. But, good, yeah, no, there, there's no way. He maybe laterals it to the other team. I mean, he had one of the worst wide receiver years I've ever watched at the Absolutely. beginning of this year. Absolutely sickening. Isaiah Pacheco, stud. He's improved so much since last year. I, you know, I thought yeah. 
the Kansas City franchise was doomed at the running back after everything that happened with Kareem Hunt. You lose an excellent running back because he's an absolute moron and a horrible person. And you follow it up with Clyde Edwards Hilaire who had first round half of a good half (laughs) of a good season. And I thought, here it goes. You know, this is gonna be a one dimensional air it out team. They're never gonna get a running back and here steps in Pacheco. So I have to Mm -hmm. give him his props. Absolutely incredible. You already talked about the drop deep balls. The two long bombs, Josh Allen throwing a moonshot, that ball absolutely skyrocket. And for it to go right through Stephon Diggs' arms, people say it was a drop. He barely even touched it. It went Mm. right through his arms. Horrible, horrible job. Stephon Diggs, fine, go to Dallas. Leave this team who are holding them <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, he needs to. Yeah. Your, your ego and your lack of ability to show up in big moments. His whole, I'm going to stand and watch the Chiefs celebrate so that I can have motivation. You're corny. You're a loser. Yeah. And you don't win. You yeah. lost. You lost in Minnesota. And you were a cancer to this team and were driven out of Minnesota and you are a cancer to the Buffalo Bills, and you can go be a cancer to the cursed Dallas Cowboy franchise. Who is more cursed than the Buffalo Bills? Over the last 30 years, to have hey, the utter devastation have and downfall, they're cursed now. All right, they're cursed now. <laughs> uh, Josh Allen got me my – my prop bets did great. My picks didn't do yeah. so great this week, but my prop bets were nailing it. I was pretty darn close on every single one of those. So, Josh Allen, keep your head up. Get rid of Stephon Diggs and do, hang buddy. in there. Uh, let's move. It, it's frustrating. Yeah. On I, I want to next... give some props to uh, – just one second. I want to give some props to Pacheco and to Kelsey, who finally showed up. The wash allegations were looking very, very, very bad uh, this game. You totally showed up. I'll give you credit. And Pacheco, for a seventh-round pick, man inspirational what a player and if y'all can make it to the super bowl i mean dude this being your second super bowl where you were a contributing factor as a running back that's so impressive that's all i can say i'm just happy jason kelsey made it to a conference championship this year (laughs) he can take his shirt off in front of all of those that was awesome that's a good brother move right there getting loaded getting loaded at the divisional round. You know he was upset. <laughs> it was the only way to drown the pain. I, yeah, I, before we talk about some NBA, I just have to say you all are very honored to have me on the podcast today because I am missing the Embiid versus Victor Wembanyama duel that is going oh, on man. right now That's to be here and to provide this content for you. So you're welcome. Uh, we're gonna talk That's why about, highlights exist. <laughs> we're going to talk about the Orlando Magic today. We're going to talk about Mm -hmm. if they're ready to make a leap to the next level. We're going to talk about the young star talent they have on this team and where you see their future going. It starts with Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. Mm -hmm. A a great young duo, one of the best very young duos in the league, rivaled only by probably Shai Gilgis and Chet Holmgren. Mm -hmm. Paolo's averaging 23-7-5 in his – is it his second year? 
this season? Or yes, his the third? second year. The second year, and Franz Wagner's averaging 26-4 and four as a guy who handles a lot of ball handling and responsibilities. He's very similar to, like, Scottie Pippen or, you mm-hmm. know, these taller point-forward type players. Absolutely incredible. I love the defensive length this team has. Oh, very yeah. young, good size across the board. I could, I could use a seven-footer, but they've got – Six eight, six nine, six ten, pretty well across the board. Yeah. Now these guys, these guys are these guys at least defensively have probably the highest ceiling, or at least future ceiling of a team that I've seen. I mean, their guards. I mean, you got you got uh, Suggs playing crazy defense. Markell's no slouch on defense. I mean, he's hurt too much. You got Jonathan Isaac, another player that's hurt too much. But when he's on the floor, I mean, goodness gracious, talk about a defensive you know, just juggernaut. I mean, that guy, he, he's unreal. Uh, I mean, th- this team, it is built around Franz and Paolo, and that is not a bad two guys to be building around. We'll see if Paolo can become one of those stars. My take on uh, competing as an NBA team is you have to have a top 10 player to win a championship. I mean, like the 0-4 Pistons are the exception, but other than that, I mean, you got to have like, the Jokic, the Embiid, the Giannis, the Steph, a top 10 guy. I don't know yet if Paulo can be a top 10 guy, but at the way he's developing, I mean, I, I love the way that, that uh, Paulo and Franz, like, connect with each other. You can see off their splits alone that there's no, like, preventing each other from succeeding, which is just a big step, and that's just great to see if you're an Orlando Magic fan. You know how the 4 Pistons won? Excellent team basketball and incredible defense. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, this team is showing that. I'm not saying they're the 0-4 Pistons. They've got a lot of growing to do. they got a lot of growing to do, yeah. But those are the – that's what it takes. It takes excellent defense and great teamwork when you don't have a star player to compete in this league. Right now they're 23-20, and which is far better than I expected, and sitting at the the 8th seed in the East, they are – the last of the threshold before you hit the drop off in the East to garbage time. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz. They've got Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, Wendell Carter, a very serviceable center, yeah. stretches the floor serviceable well. Serviceable center for sure. Uh, I would like to see an upgrade at that position if they're going to compete. Mm-hmm. Someone who is a little more defensive minded. Because if you're going to yeah. embrace defense, I think you need a stopper down low in the paint Mm -hmm. uh jonathan isaac is the biggest waste of talent i have ever seen this dude's this dude's injury personality this guy sucks i can't stay on the floor the dude is 610 and has arms that go from sideline to sideline on the court he is an athlete he can shoot he can dribble, he can score, and he doesn't do any of them. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, he, he's I, one of those players I'll never give God, up on because it's just, just I was, the potential is so high. I just can't give up on. I just feel like he stays healthy for a season. You could see some growth. I, I genuinely do. I mean, he's he's that level of just you know built. I don't know. I, he just yeah. I like him, but I gave up. I I was very high. I was very high. I'm going to say a Jonathan Isaac soldier in basketball sense, not in political and injury sense. But that's just me. Uh, Cole Anthony, another good young piece. Gary Harris, Mm a little more veteran, good guard. 
Joe Ingles, the the lone vet in the locker room. Yeah. Former Utah. That's he, that's Toby from the office, if anybody doesn't know. Uh, Joe Ingles, man. What a legend. You know, their team stats look a little underwhelming, but it's because their pace of play is so dominant. Uh, they're a very mm-hmm. slow-paced team. So they're 25th in the league in points per game, averaging about 112. 13th in mm-hmm. rebounding, averaging 43.6. 27th in assists, 24.5, but they're sixth in opponent points per game at 110.8. They're putting the hurt on teams on defense. They're rebounded. Those rebounding points per game and assist numbers, if you did a per hundred possessions, are significantly higher. Just because Mm -hmm. their team or their game totals are lower, look at the per hundred possessions, and they look like a top. 12 top 15 team right now mm-hmm. to me they they have great wins this season they beat milwaukee they beat boston they beat denver lost definitely some games they shouldn't shows to the inexperience and youngness of this team they don't have any veterans on the roster who've been in the league over 10 years i think that needs to change. yeah it's crazy i think you need just like i said about the pistons but this team's closer to competing i think you need a voice in the locker room outside of the coach Wait, who's going to point Joe players Eagle in the right the direction? Ten years, nine-year veteran. Really? Wow! Yep. I did not know that. Just because he looks forty-five doesn't mean he is forty-five. Yeah, I don't know. I thought for sure he'd been in the league for at least ten years. I know. He feels like he's been around forever. I think it's just he contributed contributed as such a role player and starter level when he came in the league, and hasn't really improved. He's just stayed at a very solid, serviceable level his whole career. Mm-hmm. I, I got a little exercise for you for some trade targets. I got three for you, and I want to see what, if you would do this, okay? This is interesting. I like so, this. So the first one I got for you is Tyus Jones for some offensive guard creation. Are you making that deal? And one of the trades I would, or one of the people I think they would ask for would be Markel Fultz. Would you make that trade? So no. One, Tyus Jones is going to Philly. Uh, two, oh, okay. <laughs> two. Markel Fultz is a much better defender than mm-hmm. what Tyus Jones brings to the floor, and I don't think you're going to change your culture and your identity for a little extra ball handling. Mar- Markel Fultz has had his struggles, his injuries, his confidence issues, but he's found something to keep him in the league and hang his hat on his defense. I don't think he's ever going to live up to the number one pick hype, that he had, and if yeah. it weren't for the, if it weren't for the, I don't want to call it an injury because it wasn't an injury, it was a deterioration of his nerves that caused spasms in his shoulder, affecting his shot. Yeah, absolutely crazy freak injury. I blame the Sixers; they're mm-hmm. the kings of freak injuries. Zaire Smith got a hole in his esophagus from eating something in the food court and is out of the league. That, what? Yeah, Zaire Smith had an allergic reaction. That. He had like an allergic reaction to a specific type of nut oil in their food cafeteria that wow. he didn't know he had, and it put him in the hospital for six months. He lost fifty pounds and had a hole in his esophagus. Oh my goodness! Wow, they're yeah, the I they're the king of freak injuries. They're the king. Yeah. Uh, so no, I'm not trading Tyus Jones for Marco Fultz. What's right. your What's your number two? Next Next one for you is Robert Williams. I don't have anybody necessarily, but would you make a trade for Rob Will? 
I like the defense. I said I they need a defensive stopper down low in the paint. I think if mm-hmm. the trade's right, he's a very good fit with this team. He, the Time yeah. Lord blocking shots down in the middle, I think he's exactly what this team needs. Now, whether he would start over Wendell Carter, I don't know. Uh, I think you need if you're going to bring in a defensive stopper, it needs to be someone who's all around a better player than Wendell Carter. But mm-hmm. if the price was right, I would I'd trade for the Time Lord. I'm with Robert Williams. Okay. Just thinking, Jonathan Isaac and Mo Wagner for Rob Will. Do you make that trade straight up? I think if they throw in some picks, I probably don't go straight throw up. Throw in some picks? Yeah, if you yeah. throw in an early second, late first, some something in that mm-hmm. range, something that's going to be outside of the lottery but still serviceable, I think I go mm-hmm. for I, I go for it. And the last one is kind of an under-the-radar, but he's had a great season. Uh, good clutch player and bring some offensive guard creation. What would you be willing to give up, or would you give up anything for Terry Rozier? Nothing. I don't want Nothing Terry Rozier. Terry. Wow. I don't want Terry Rozier around this franchise if I'm them. Uh, Terry's a defensive liability. He gets you buckets, yeah. but you said it a couple podcasts ago. Terry Rozier's at his peak right now. He's never going yeah. to be better than what he is right now. And I think a lot of teams do recognize that. That's why Terry Rozier still finds himself on the Hornets. He had his scary Terry moment with Boston, and Charlotte did what Charlotte does, and they overplayed, overpaid players who had hype runs for a very short period of time and couldn't sustain it. Gordon Hayward, they paid Gordon Hayward coming off an injury, or they traded for already paid for Gordon Hayward. Uh, I just don't. I don't like that move. I don't like Terry. Yeah. I don't like Keep Terry the on of identity. Exactly. Uh, if I'm, if I'm the Magic, I'm hanging my hat on defense. If you're bringing in anybody, they need to be a six-five guard, a six-nine-six-ten wing, a seven-foot center. Hangs your hat on defense, and I don't know if you find a good trade target like that without giving up. One of your decent pieces, you'd have to give up a Gary Harris, a Cole Anthony, a Jonathan Isaac if you're going to make a deal like that. I wouldn't okay. mind seeing yeah. Malcolm Brogdon brought into this team. Malcolm Brogdon? I Malcolm was Brogdon that... is yeah, a great would... – he's an above-average defender, so it's not a loss anywhere you go. If you can ditch some of your earlier picks, teams might still be hopeful that you're a young team and you falter at the end of the season. They may take more stock in your first-round pick, and you believe it's going to be a lower, a higher pick, and they believe it's going to be a lower pick. And you might be able to fleece some teams in that sense, giving up an Isaac, an Anthony, and a first and a second, maybe, for somebody mm-hmm. like Malcolm Brogdon, who, if he can stay healthy, is an excellent guard to add to this team. Do you think Marcus Smart could be on the market at all considering Memphis isn't doing anything this year I don't think they brought in Marcus Smart for 25 games when John Morant was supposed to be out I think they liked what Marcus Smart brought to the identity and this Memphis team is supposed to be the tough guys they're supposed yeah. to have Steven Adams down low. They're supposed to have Thug John Morant at the point guard. They're supposed to have Jaron Jackson blocking <laughs> away shots. <laughs> yeah. They're supposed to be the bad boys. And so I think Marcus Smart added to that culture. And I don't think they're going to ditch what they had planned for the culture just because 
John Morant's out for the season, and you yeah, might want to shop somebody on your team. Mm-hmm. And shout out the Orlando Magic theme song that's been going <laughs> around. That thing is fire. I'm unfamiliar, so I may have to check that out. Let's go I'll forward. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Let's go forward to our next topic. We're going to talk some college football, even though the season has ended. We're not going to talk about the mass exodus of players directly from Alabama and what's happening, but we are going to oh, talk about involved. we're going to talk about the winners of the transfer portal so far, and that is the Ohio State mm-hmm. Buckeyes. Oh yeah, huge splash! They are absolutely feasting on the fact that Nick Saban retired and Jim Harbaugh is going to the NFL or hasn't made a decision yet as to whether he's staying at Michigan. They are feasting on the uncertainty that is the college football right now. 11 in one season. I don't count the second loss from the bowl game. Nobody really played mm-hmm. ditch the bowl game loss. You lost by seven points to a Missouri team that brought a lot of dudes with them and took the game seriously. This team is poised to be very, very, very good next season. I'm much higher on Ryan Day than you are. We've talked about that off of the air. (laughs) I I think this is his year. Jim Harbaugh is out of his way at Michigan, and Michigan has lost a number of pieces to the draft. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily to the transfer portal, but the draft. They had a lot of seniors and juniors entering the draft from this team they are not going to be a 15-0 powerhouse next season and Ohio State capitalizes let I'll let you talk about the transfers I know you've got them written down I do too but I'll let you talk about the transfers so I think that there's no other way to put this than calling it the Ohio State spending spree because heaven knows they spent money I saw a rumor Lane Kiffin was saying that he thinks that they spent at least 13 million dollars on NIL this year now, granted, Lane Kiff is not associated, but I assume he's way more open and into the media than other coaches are. So maybe he's just speaking the truth. I don't know. I think that's a good ballpark range for what they got talent-wise. I'd say the biggest recruit they got, unfortunately, was Alabama's All-American freshman, uh, in my opinion, top five, if not even higher player in the country after this uh, draft and Caleb Downs. That that was a tough one. I, he was he, the number one safety in the transfer portal by a mile. By a mile. I mean, I the, uh, that Malachi Starks from Georgia, he's really, really, really good as well. Uh, I don't want to sleep on him, but I think I would take Caleb Downs right now off of what he contributed as a freshman to Alabama over any player really in the country that isn't a quarterback. I mean, he is an unbelievable defensive piece. They got Quinshaw Judkins from Ole Miss. Fun fact about Quinshaw Judkins, he went to school 30 minutes away from my high school in Alabama, uh, and I saw him play at Pike Road. And you know the phrase, like, you can tell people who are going to make it, you know? He's one of those guys you could easily tell was going to make a difference at the next level, and he has an Ole Miss. And he's a he's top running back in the country. Yeah, he's really great. Uh, Julian Sayan, another tough loss for my Crimson Tide. He hasn't played a snap yet, but he is uh, one of the top uh, quarterback recruits coming into this year. If, if I'm not mistaken, he's either second or third. I know Dylan Rayola, the guy going to Nebraska, is number one. Uh, but he looks to be very promising. And with um, their quarterback issues this year, it's nice to have uh, him and Will Howard, who also transferred uh, to yes. Ohio State. 
Uh, they have Jeremiah Smith, the top wide receiver recruit from this season. Uh, this guy, I mean, I don't know much about him, but from everything I've seen, he looks like a beast. And uh, last but not least, or definitely least, Seth McLaughlin. Uh, the, or as I like to call him, uh, enemy number one. Uh, the center from Alabama, who single-handedly cost us a win at Michigan. Um, yeah, they got him as well. And, you know, best of luck to him in that regard. Uh, I think after that – Not really crying I, about that loss. After that playoff, the best thing for Seth McLaughlin was a change of scenery. Whether you like it or not, no, he yeah. is a he was he's not a good lineman. There's no way. I think he's a good lineman. I don't – I oh, think yeah. center, might, center might not be his position. I think he might need to transition to a guard position. He can he's block. An, he can't he's, an, he's an agile, good blocker, can pass, protect, and run, defend. He He's good. He just has a lot of trouble snapping the football. And if he wants to yeah. compete at the next level, I think a coach needs to sit him down and tell him that he needs to move over to a guard position. I, yeah. I think he's a good leader. And as a center, you need a leader who can help call out pass protections, blitzes. But it's too much for him. I think he needs to yeah, no, he step into a – not necessarily a lower role, but – something a little different uh you also didn't mention two-star uh recruit will mccormick transferring from miami of ohio tight end oh, okay uh, gonna be a nice piece uh, a little underrated but he's got good size for a tight end just one more piece to the puzzle yeah they also returned i believe he's an edge rusher uh and forgive me oh yeah they had a lot of if, returning guys that could have gone pro i was really shocked but the the one that highlights it is JT uh, Tua Moa Lua Awa. I, I think Something I butchered like that, yeah. that. But he is a stud. He was going to be yeah. a very high pick in the draft. And for him to come back for his senior year shows that he's bought into what this Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to be this year. Bought, um, bought in. Bought. Big on the bot. Hey. He could have made more money going into the NFL. He was going to be a high enough pick. Yeah, I know. I'm you have saying, to buy into Ohio a certain State degree. Ain't these boys. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned their 11-1 and season record earlier. Their one loss on the season was a six-point loss against Michigan on a neutral field. Rival. On a rival. neutral field, less than a one-score game. That's my issue with Ryan. I'm going to be honest, man. What's that, his third loss in a row to Michigan? It is. Look, but Jim Harbaugh it, it, had his – Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat at Michigan after losing a couple straight to Ohio State a few years before that. Jim Harbaugh never had as good as recruiting classes as Ohio State has had in those years. It, it wasn't until he caught up with uh, Ohio State recruiting where it got to a point where they had a chance to compete. Uh, my thing with Ryan Day – and the joke around him in college football is that he was born on third base and hired into a great situation with Ohio State, and he hasn't really been able to capitalize. I don't know what he brings. I mean, the Penn State game was good. I'll give him that. He sent some quarterbacks to the NFL who obviously know what they're doing. He can recruit the crap out of some receivers. Oh, my goodness. That man can put a receiver group together. But when it comes to the big games, I mean – 
I don't think he's a terrible coach. They took Georgia to the wire. It came down to a missed field goal. I mean, but look, I'll put it in Alabama terms. Kalen DeVore, I think, will be a good coach. But if he loses to Auburn three times in a row, I don't care what the scenario is. He's not the coach anymore. And so, Ryan Day knows this is his this is his opportunity. If he doesn't beat Michigan this year, it's over, and he knows it. So It, it, it definitely he, is. Uh, he is an excellent recruiter. You just brought light yeah. to that. Oh my goodness. He can bring people in. He can make these kids believe. So I think what he really needs is some great offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. And before you say a word, I know how much you hate this hire of Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is a He's terrorist awful, in your eyes. Who do you believe less in, Ryan Day or Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien, honestly. I, I mean, he – we didn't make the playoffs, Bryce Young, last year with Bryce Young and Gibbs, and we had Will Anderson on defense. Pete Golding is also terrible. Old Miss's defensive coordinator, our former defensive coordinator. That whole entire coordinating staff was bad. But, I mean, Bill O'Brien's entire offensive regimen was Bryce Young, please save us, please. You know, he would go into empty a bunch with Bryce, and I, I'm – I didn't love his stint with the Patriots either. I mean, I get the the hire if you're Ryan Day, you get a proven guy who has NFL experience, but I I don't think that he moves the needle at all for me, honestly, as an offensive coordinator. So what if Bill O'Brien isn't a horrible offensive coordinator and he just put his trust in the wrong quarterback in Bryce Young to go out and do things. We've seen Bryce Young struggling at the next level. What if he isn't who he thought he was? What if Bryce Young was the problem? And what if Bill O'Brien can actually put together a competent offense with a competent quarterback like a Will Howard or a Julian Sane? Well, first of all, I can assure you right now that Bryce Young was not the problem. Who was Bryce Young's leading receiver this year in the NFL? Oh, uh, I can't remember, but I know you know. Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. Who, and who was his his uh, top receiver in college? Jameer You're the Gibbs. Bama guy. Jameer, oh, yeah, you Jameer told me Gibbs, that earlier. The I running known. back. The running back. I, I, our, our best receiver, he gave us that miracle at Auburn. Or actually, it was Jameson Williams in his first year. He had Jamison Williams and John Mechie. Let me let me let me restate that. I'm talking about his last year at Alabama. When Bryce Young had competent receiver groups around him, when he had Jamison Williams and John Mechie, he took us to the national championship against Georgia. And he beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Not, let me not just say beat. They trounced Georgia in the SEC championship the two games prior to that when Jamison Williams absolutely carved them up. He got hurt in the national championship. Georgia fans won't tell you this. But Bryce Young, when he had a competent receiver around him, knew got us to the national championship. And let me tell you what Bill O'Brien's game plan was with Jamison Williams at the helm. Hey, run a bunch of streaks, and Bryce Young will get you the ball. Check any highlight tape. There was no complex routes. There was no good blocking schemes. I don't even think Tommy Reese did a great job this year as an offensive coordinator. He's off the NFL. That was confirmed today. He's a tight ends coach for the Browns now. But his run game, night and day, he actually used motion 
Bill O'Brien does an offense from like the twenty early twenty tens, late two thousands. I don't know how well it'll adjust, but he'll probably have a Jamison Williams level receiver at Ohio State. So at least there's that. I'll give him that. So Ohio State has been able to field excellent receivers over the last several years. That wide receiver group that has come through Ohio State over the last three to four seasons is beginning to rival some of those Alabama wide receiver groups. Now I'm not saying it is because we saw some absolutely incredible think... wide receiver groups with yeah. with Waddle coming through. That those guys were absolutely Waddle, Judy, Rugs, yeah, uh, and uh, Devontae Smith. How could I forget him? Yeah, and I didn't mean to poke the bear. I did mean to poke the bear. No, you're but good. I'm no, glad I, I got you fired wanted, up just... with the Alabama group. Uh, let's... I just wanted to give you my take on Bill O'Brien's offense. I don't think that he's a very competent offensive coordinator at this point. But I mean, hey, he'll have more talent than he had at receiver at Ohio State than he did at Alabama with Bryce Young. So let's move forward. Uh, it's a great next step. We're going to talk about team. Uh, we're going to talk about some more college players that are entering mm-hmm. the draft. Let's start. We each queued up uh, a mock top ten, but let's start with our top five quarterbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. who do you, who's your top quarterback? Uh, I'll just go down the list. Cause I think the top three are fairly obvious this year. I would say Caleb Williams is my top guy. I think that what he offers as a creator and with his arm and his ceiling is so high that I think that he's number one, but not close, like very, I mean, very, very close behind him. I would say is Drake may who is my personal pick i just think the ceiling may be a bit higher on Caleb Williams, but drake may's floor is so much higher than Caleb williams floor in my opinion i think that both of them are elite quarterbacks who carry their offenses uh genuinely to competency in college football uh, uh third quarterback i take is Jaden daniels out of lsu who obviously was the heisman this year and deserved it i know that he had some good uh, NFL players on that offense. But, man, the fact that he was even able to take LSU to, I think, nine wins this year with that horrific defense. I mean, one of the worst defenses I've ever seen like out of an SEC team, much less LSU. I mean, goodness gracious, that defense was awful. I, I mean, he carried the team single-handedly. He he put up a good run against this Alabama team, too. I was very low on Jaden Daniels coming into the year, but I think that he's proven that he's an NFL player. I don't know how great he'll be in the NFL, but I know that he at least has the creation ability and the ability to run with his legs. I'll let you do your top three next. Okay. Uh, So my number one is obviously Caleb Williams. I love this kid's ceiling, his arm, his decision-making. I think that put him around some NFL talent, he's going to make some things happen. Absolutely incredible player. Got to witness what was happening with him firsthand coming through my Oklahoma days, having our head coach leave and go to USC, getting choked up. He hasn't done anything there, though. I know. He needs to learn how to field the defense as well. Uh, number two, I I have Jaden Daniels. I love wow. his athleticism. I absolutely love his athleticism. I think that that's the way things are trending in the NFL. You need a quarterback who can make things happen. You see it with – the Dolphins, Tua, yeah. cannot make things happen when the play breaks down, and I think this is where Jaden Daniels excels. I think he does great when the play breaks down, and the play break the plays break down often in the NFL. Uh, 
Now, yeah. his biggest challenge is going to be, can he work within a system and can he make the right reads and hit the right passes when everything is going right? Can he manage a game when things are going well and not just be a big play player who makes things happen out of nothing? Because you have to be proficient the other 85% of the game. Those 15% where things break down are super important and can cost you games. But what else can cost you games is when you're missing obvious things that happen. Uh, number four or number three, I have Michael Penix. Wow. Michael Penix Jr. Really? Uh, wow. I have Michael Penix Jr. I this is let me preface this with saying I think he's gonna struggle when he first comes into the league. He is a little unorthodox. He's a lefty. There's not a lot of lefty QBs in the league. There's not a lot of receivers that have caught a lot of passes from lefty QBs. They just aren't used to it. The only saving grace for Michael Penix is I know a bunch of teams don't rate him as highly as I do, and he may get drafted to a team that is a little more well-established. I think he'd be a great fit. I think he's a patriot. That's my take. I I think he would be an absolutely great fit with the Atlanta Falcons. Mm, okay. an, a- an athletic gunslinging quarterback with that young offensive core in Atlanta. I think he's the perfect fit there. I, uh, I don't think he showed me much creating though, but we'll get into that later. I'll do my other two since I'm already mm-hmm. on a roll. I have Bo yeah. Nix at four. Whoa. I have Bo really? Nix at four. I'm, I'm going to just say I got Drake May at five. I'm not high on Drake May. I think Drake May is the wow. next Ryan Leaf. Okay. I think he's a guy who has all of this talent. And for some reason, I just have a gut feeling he will not be able to put it together at the next level. I get mm. Will, I get Will Levis vibes. I get all of these quarterbacks who should be better, who have the intangibles. But for some reason, I just get this gut feeling that he's not going to be able to do it at the next level. Something's going to be wrong. Uh, Bo Nix, I'm not super high on but i think i think he's i think he's competent i think he could lead your team to mediocrity he could screw you out of some draft picks if you decide to draft him i think he could lift you into the sniffing the playoffs just to not have a good enough pick to turn your team around i think that's what bonix yeah i think he does a little he reminds me of a worse baker yeah, I, I was about to say, I think he reminds me a little bit of Baker Mayfield, where he's good enough to lead the team to some good victories, but he's not good enough to win when it matters. Yeah. Uh, so let's I'm hear gonna, your four and five. My four is Michael Michael uh, Penix. I think that he is – I think that he's good, but I think that even though he's athletic, he doesn't have the best – creation ability he played a lot within the scheme at Washington I've watched a lot of Kalen DeBoer uh tape recently as he's the new Alabama coach and granted he had some NFL or some NFL receivers so he didn't really need to uh to like get out of the pocket too much and I hate to compare one lefty to another lefty but he kind of reminds me of like a better creating Tua that's a little less accurate I don't know where that would place him in the league Personally, I think he's a good quarterback with a fine ceiling. I don't know how high that can take you. Uh, fifth, I have Bo Nicks, who I've already said was uh, Baker, Baker clone. That's a little bit worse. 
But my thing on Drake May that we need to talk about is I think Drake May is a supercharged Justin Herbert who I trust more in a big game. Now, granted, we haven't seen Drake May in a big game, but I think that's less of a him problem because, you know, college is way more, you know, the talent in college is so weird when it comes to top recruiting classes, just hogging talent, a.k.a. So, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. But Let me just preface see, my take yeah, on Drake yeah, yeah. May. By, let me just preface my take on Drake May by saying it has nothing to do with what he's shown us in college football. It has nothing to do with the skill set he's shown us. This is entirely a gut feeling for me. I oh, okay. yeah. feel this in my chest, even talking about it right now. I get this impending sense of dread when I talk about Drake May, kind of like when the Patriots were drafting Mac Jones. I just don't do that. Well, just I can tell you right now that Mac Jones never that. showed what Drake May has shown, at least athletically and arm strength-wise, uh, you know, comparing the two. So let's let's go on and talk about our our top ten. Let's talk about our team, uh, the team that has the pick, who they pick, and what kind of need that fills for the team. We're already at yeah. an hour and four minutes, so let's okay. speed through it a little bit. But I think it'll be – we'll still get some good content here. Yeah. Uh, I say we both go uh, through, like, each on, on each team. So I'll, I'll start with the Bears. Uh, Bears, I've got them taking Caleb Williams. I, I don't see them sticking with Justin Fields when you've got a guy that could be potentially so generational – and with a ceiling as high as Caleb Williams, I, I like Justin Fields in the in the way that I like. Uh, I, I mean, I, in the way I like just any quarterback with the athleticism that he has, because Justin Fields is such an athletic freak. But I don't think he offers you what Caleb Williams offers you, creating even or throwing the ball. I mean, I, I just don't see how you pass up on Caleb Williams. So the Bears haven't made their decision yet as to what they're doing. I think that the team has really rallied behind Justin Fields, and I think the Bears trade this pick to New England. So with the first Mm. overall pick in the NFL draft, I have the New England Patriots who never trade up, but now that Bill Belichick is gone, now that Bill Belichick is gone, they are making a statement as an ownership group that we are no longer with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's influence is gone. They trade up into the number one slot, take Caleb Williams, who will be the cornerstone for this franchise. and My worst nightmare, man. Help lead them back into relevancy. I'll go number two, and then you'll, I'll let you swing back through. Yeah, 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 Despite my skepticism, I know how high everybody else is, and I have the commanders taking Drake May with the second yeah. pick in the draft. The commanders need, need, need a quarterback, and... They need a lot of things. I don't think the commanders are ready to compete. I think they're still a fairly bottom-tier team in the league, and I think this is a mistake. I think that Mm. teams need to build their linemen first. You need to get edge rushers. You need to get interior linemen, offensive tackles. You need to build a competent team and add a quarterback later, and every team makes this mistake every year. You try and hit a home run, and you try and go for a quarterback. Now, the only time it's even come remotely close to working was the Cincinnati Bengals taking Joe Burrow, and he has had two devastating injuries 
because you have shown a complete unwillingness to build an offensive line to protect your generational quarterback. And I think yeah. that's my soapbox. Commanders take Drake May. I think the Commanders take Drake May as well. And I think I think it's the right pick. Because I think that their weapons aren't that bad. I like Terry McLaurin. I like Jahan Dotson. I like Brian Robinson Jr. I think that they have good enough weapons that Drake May will show flashes. I don't think that he'll be some MVP candidate. I mean, the rookie seasons we've been getting recently have been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, expecting anyone to be Stroud or even Herbert in his first year was unbelievable. I mean, you're asking a lot. I think that he has an acceptable – I think he has a fine rookie season. I think that he fits in with the commanders well enough. I mean, he's in the area. He goes to North Carolina. I think that they'll bring in him. I think that it will work out. I, I think we have two different uh, opinions on this, though. So. so I'll let you do three. Go with your third pick right. in the draft. So I genuinely believe that the Pats are going to stay pat at three. No pun intended, because I think that there is somebody else that is just as generational that they can get that I think would maybe that is maybe even better than Caleb Williams, at least floor wise. And that's Marvin Harrison, Jr. I think talking about how you were talking about the commanders and the way that you need to build around before you draft the franchise guy drafting Caleb Williams, he'll be throwing to Juju. And then, like, old, old, old Devontae Parker, I guess. I, I mean, I'd, I'd say get, get the generational wide receiver prospect, who I genuinely believe is the best receiver in this draft. And then you get the quarterback later because you know you're going to have a guy that's on, I think, the Jamar Chase route, the top five to ten range of – receiver in like two years i think that he's a beast i think he showed he was a beast at ohio state uh i think it's the right pick too i genuinely do i think that they have the potential to be getting the best player in the draft and we're only doing a top 10 but i have another take and that is that the patriots do trade up in the first round not to take caleb williams but to take michael Penix jr uh okay. later in the or in the first so so with my initial trade the chicago bears receive the third overall pick in the draft as well as other draft compensation to help build this young team hire you know chicago if you're listening i would be an excellent gm to turn this franchise around i know what i'm doing uh make the phone calls i just listen to my plan at the third overall pick in the draft the chicago bears draft joe alt tackle notre dame you give Justin Fields some time and some protection to build a team around. He already has competent enough, not incredible, but competent enough receivers. He needs DJ some protection. DJ Moore is a beast. He needs to be protected. This defense has shown very bright spots. You need to protect your quarterback. Plain and simple. Now, yeah, I, yeah. with the number four pick, Everything you just said, I agree. I think the Cardinals realize that they are stuck with their quarterback. They paid him way too much money, and he is underperforming. But I think they're going to try and get him a little help, and they're going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver 
from the Ohio State. Uh, generational talent, great player. I still don't totally like drafting receivers this high. It's a huge risk, and we see some receivers get drafted in the fifth or sixth round every year that outperform every top wide receiver. It happens every year. But I believe in Marvin Harrison Jr. coming from the football family. His dad was an absolutely incredible receiver for the Colts. Great talent. I think the Cardinals go with Marvin Harrison. I, you said you don't like taking receivers this early. I think that's the new trend, genuinely, in the NFL is taking receivers early just because of how much of a difference they can make. If you look at, like, the Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle was picked uh, sick. Devontae Smith was picked early. I mean, yeah, every receiver you're seeing nowadays is picked in the first round. I've got three receivers coming off the board in a row. And these next uh, two picks, well, counting the Pat, the Patriots, I got these next three being receivers. I got the Cardinals taking Malik Neighbors out of LSU. I think the best playmaking threat in this in this uh, in this draft at receiver coming out. Of, I mean, he he balled out at LSU. He was uh, Jaden Daniels' guy. I think that this will work out. I think that you're a little bit lower on Kyler than I am. I think Kyler's good. I think that they got a good tackle last year in Paris Johnson Jr. I think that uh, drafting a receiver here and giving uh, Kyler a weapon would do him a lot of good. I agree with the weapon aspect, and I think that's something they need. Who do you have the Chargers taking at five? I got the Chargers trying to make up for their Quentin Johnston pick last year by getting Roma Dunze out of Washington. I think that he's another great electric receiver. I think this is a great draft for receiver. I think it's super deep. I think that uh, Roman Dutze can make an immediate impact, and Justin Herbert needs a weapon. I he mean, does. Keenan Allen's great, but he's getting up there in age, and he's more of a possession drop in a zone receiver. Mike Williams will probably be gone after this year. I, I would take Roma Dunze in a heartbeat if I'm the Chargers, get uh, Herbert, a uh, guy that he can throw to as a deep threat. So, at the fifth pick, Chargers had some serious issues at right tackle this season. And their mm-hmm. left tackle, I believe it's Matthew Slater, did not play much better. Very big issues. I have them taking Tylese Fuaga from Oregon State, offensive mm-hmm. tackle. Uh, I believe that it would shock some people. It's a little bit of a reach, but it's – Something the Chargers need. I think the Chargers still have enough weapons offensively with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. You still have, I just said his name earlier, why can't Austin Eckler in the backfield. So I think they still have enough to be competent on offense. I think you need to protect your franchise quarterback. I I, I hear you. I think that, uh, don't they have Slater? Slater, Slater. I think is a pretty good offensive Slater player, is... Right? struggle Slater had a rough year but he's uh, they haven't played left tackle but their right tackle this season young I think he was a third year player I can't remember his name right now absolutely stunk up the field penalty issues holding mm-hmm. issues was not protecting the quarterback you saw Herbert get an injury this year I think it's a reality shock for some of these teams when your franchise quarterback deals with an injury you say I need to protect this man number All six right. number six the Giants, I think the Giants do what the Giants do, and they take the wrong pick here. Okay. I think they go. I think they go Roma Dunze here, who is not oh, as good okay. as Malik Neighbors. I think Malik no, Neighbors is the better yeah, pick, no, I... and I think they screw it up because that's what okay. the Giants do. 
I think that's what the Giants do is they screw it up and they go. I'm not saying Adunze is a bad player. He's not as good as Malik Neighbors. I think he's going to take some more time to adjust in the NFL. He had an excellent quarterback, as a lot of these guys did. But I think Michael mm-hmm. Penix Jr. made Adunze look better than he is. Yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that Adunze is pretty good. I think the Chargers fans would uh, would be mad if they took a tackle, by the way. I forgot to say that. Just based off the ones I follow, they really want a playmaker. But, I mean, hey, the – Protecting your QB has got to be priority number one. So, uh, the, With a sixth pick for the Giants, I've got the first shock of the draft. With the Giants taking Jaden Daniels out of LSU, I think that Brian Dable does not believe in Daniel Jones. I genuinely believe that. I think that they want a new direction. I think that they'll be surprised to still have Jaden Daniels on the board past the Patriots. And I think that they take advantage and they get Jaden Daniels. You're locked in on Danny Dimes. You're not getting rid of that contract. No one wants it. I, I think strictly it, it's, from it, you're a salary able to get cap. Out of it. We'll see. It's we'll gonna see. take a year. It's gonna take a year. After this year, I don't know exactly the dead cap, but it's a hundred percent eatable. And I don't think Brian Dayball really trusts Daniel Jones as much as maybe the Giants organization does. And I think that Jaden Daniels, off the bat, is already a better quarterback than Daniel Jones is coming into the league. And I think that uh, Dayball will recognize that. I think he's in control of whoever's next at the helm. Um, I would not be shocked. I I genuinely think this could be the surprise of the draft and taking a QB. So So who do do you have at seven? Let's hear seven. Seven, I, I have the Titans taking Joe All. I think that He's the best offensive lineman in the draft. I think that falling this far is a mistake for him, but I genuinely think that this is where he'll end up because I think these other teams need QB and uh, weapon more than they need tackle. At least uh, some of them do. And I believe that the Titans take advantage and get potentially, I know I've said this three times, but potentially the best player in the draft, depending on uh, outs- like other factors, Joe Alt. I do think Joe Walt is the best player from this draft. I think he has a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame future ahead of him. And if he falls all the way to seven, that is a travesty. All right. But uh, with the seventh pick in the NFL draft, I have the Titans selecting Malik Neighbors. I think that mm-hmm. if they're pot in on their quarterback, Will Levis, they need to get him a weapon. I think in my mock draft, two offensive tackles are already off the board. You don't want to reach at seven and gra- grab another guy that's not projected until the 20s. You can't find a partner that wants to come this high up into the draft as the teams that are missing quarterbacks and need quarterbacks have already kind of taken them or coming up quickly approaching. And I think they go with Malik Neighbors to add a weapon here. Not a bad pick. I like that. Now, at number eight with the Atlanta Falcons, we have back-to-back LSU boys coming off the board as mm. the Falcons draft a very athletic young quarterback in Jaden Daniels to pair with their super high athletic and potential offense in Atlanta. I think Bill Belichick will lead this Atlanta Falcons team as no other team has shown much interest. And to get a quarterback in this offense, I think shows a lot of promise and it's the one thing they really need. I think mm-hmm. it, I don't care if six quarterbacks get drafted 
in the top seven, they're taking a quarterback at eight. They need it. Really? It's it's what they need. It's what they want. I don't. They if the top seven all decided to draft quarterbacks, Atlanta's still taking a quarterback at eight. I disagree, and I do think Bill Belichick will be the coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and that's why they will be taking with the eighth pick, Dallas Turner, out of Alabama. Because these last couple drafts, they've taken Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson. I think that it's about time to start focusing on the defense. I, I genuinely believe they got all the weapons in place. I think that second round they could dip for a quarterback. I think that they realize, hey, look, the best weapons have been taken off the board. The generational quarterbacks have been taken off the board. No reason to reach here when they could be potentially the same skill level as a Desmond Ritter, as a Taylor Heineke. I would take Dallas Turner if I were them, if the three quarterbacks were already off the board. I don't believe in Phoenix and, uh, and, and Bo Nix like that. I think that they take best player available, and at this moment I think it's Dallas Turner. What do you got coming out with the Falcon or with the Bears at nine? So Cody said – he should be the GM of the Bears. I disagree. I think I should be the GM of the Bears because not just did you get the best quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft, but you got an elite tackle, the second best tackle in a class with potentially the best tackle in the league, future best tackle in the league, and Olu, Olu Malalu Fashanu, I think. I don't know how to pronounce it, but the Penn State tackle, a proven pass-blocking uh tackle at Penn State I think that it'd be the best pick available I don't even think it's a reach at that point I think that you got yourself a cornerstone tackle and the best quarterback in the draft I think you'd kill the draft exactly how you should if you're the Bears if it lines up like this you know I'm still the GM of the Bears because I got you a generational tackle the better tackle at the three pick, okay. I got you I got you draft capital by trading back and you know who I took at number nine you know who I took at number nine? The most talented tight end we have seen come out of college football in a very long time. Okay. Brock Bowers. A big target for Justin Fields, who is now going to be well protected in the pocket with Joe Alt. It's the okay. cherry on top for giving him the weapons he needs with an already competent defense. I think mm-hmm. that's the way to go if you were the Bears. You found a way to protect a Above average quarterback. I'm not saying that he's going to be better than Caleb Williams, but he is good enough. I think that he is underperformed enough that you won't have to pay him as big of a contract as you'll have to pay Caleb Williams in four years. And because he won't be in the league then. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, uh, so I have Georgia tight end Brock Bowers going to the Bears Mm -hmm. at number nine. I think it's a great pick. Before before we go on the last pick, I just want to. Like, ask you genuinely, like, do you think that taking Brock Bowers there is the right pick with such a deep wide receiver class and with Cole Komet already on the roster? Are you not high on Cole Komet? I'm not super high on Cole Komet, but you've seen what this Patriots team did in years past with two tight ends. I think two tight ends is a great model of football. Tight ends are more athletic and absolutely incredible. This is a great receiver class, but we've already seen three of the best receivers in college football leagues yeah. board by this point yeah, in the draft. Right. And Brock Bowers is an insane target to add to this team. Mm-hmm. You are 
you already discussed DJ Moore being there. Cole Komet's still there. Two tight ends, the way to go. Yeah, I think if you keep Justin Fields, that's the right path. But I also think if you pick Caleb Williams, then I picked a pretty good uh, tackle. I think uh, that for my, either way you go, we we both made great selections. I think that the Bears' future is really bright. for, And I like how we both did something different so that you could see two slices of what could happen if one goes one direction and the, and the other, you know? Yeah. Uh, for so, my last pick, I, I have the Jets taking Brock Bowers. I think that he's clearly the best tight end in the – in the class, I mean, I think he may be potential best tight end in the league, like in the future. I mean, he behind I mean, Sam Laporta. Laporta's great, but I mean, I mean, if you look at Bowers Georgia tape, I mean, I had to go against this guy what three years in a row. I mean, that dude is unbelievable. He's a magnet to the ball. He's a decent blocker. Decent. I mean, he's fine, but he's really a receiver. I mean, he he'll be able to fill the Laporta role for the Jets, and the Jets need a weapon outside of Garrett Wilson. Aaron Rodgers is going to want to throw the ball to somebody. I think that Bowers would be the best pick available for the Jets, and I would not want them to take it, so that's how I know they will do it. So at 10, I have the Jets taking, forgive me if I butcher his name, and I know you'll be able to correct me, Alabama's corner, Terry and Arnold. Mm -hmm. I think adding to this defense, someone to pair outside, Along Sauce Gardner, another lockdown corner, a guy who I believe from watching the tape can defend the slot as well. So he's yeah. a slot corner. He's good. He's excellent at it. And this Jets team, they could use some linemen too, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they start focusing on the future. They realize that Aaron Rodgers yeah. is a rental and you need to build up this team. Yeah, I agree. And Terry and Arnold, he's a beast too. That would not be a bad pick. I think. Kool-Aid started the, the year as cornerback one for Bama. Terry and Arnold took his chain, as they say, for that. But, I mean, I don't think that's a that's a bad pick at all. Well, that is it for us. Thank you, everybody, for following along with us. Don't forget to follow our newly put-in-place socials at Double Dribble Pod. And Dub Dribble will... Pod, yeah. Oh, Dub Dribble Pod. Thank D-U-B, you for correcting yeah. me. We want everybody getting the right socials. So, at mm-hmm. Dub Dribble Pod and – catch us next time. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you, guys.